listening to the Coronavirus Diaries, Human Rights in the Age of a Global Pandemic, a series of online conversations with experts hosted by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. The Institute is Canada's leading think tank, working at the intersection of human rights, conflict, and emerging technologies. As we watch the global pandemic unfold, this series will look at what impacts the coronavirus will have on human rights, geopolitics, and democracy, and what role technology and disinformation will play. Hello, this is Kyle Matthews, Executive Director of the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. We're pleased to have another interview for our Coronavirus Diaries, discussions about human rights in the age of a global pandemic. I'm joined today with Andrew Strohlein. He is the Media Manager in Europe for Human Rights Watch. Thanks for joining us today uh, from, from Brussels. No, thank you for inviting me. So, Andrew, I think there's a really key thing that I, I noticed on Twitter the other day, and I want to talk to you today, is about what's been happening in Hungary. Um, in mm-hmm. Canada, we don't follow Central Europe as much, um, but we, we do know that Hungary has been moving towards um, a very you know, bad um, area. We followed closely that the Central European University, funded by George Soros, was, was kicked out of the country. Uh, the leader of that institute is Michael Ignacev, who is a Canadian and a former politician. So, so we've been following that. But I'd like to maybe just get started and, and tell us about this bill that was passed um, this week that basically mm-hmm. shuts down democracy and the rule of law. Tell us about how this happened and, and, and what's in this bill? Well, sure. I mean, the bill's very upsetting. It, it's essentially, for all intents and purposes, there's no other word for it than uh, dictatorship. I mean, it, Viktor Orban and the ruling party, Fidesz, have been moving in an authoritarian direction step by step, as you've said, for years. And they've now used this coronavirus crisis to give Viktor Orban unlimited power for an unlimited time. And there's really nothing that can stop him. He can decide when this emergency situation ends. And until then, he has unlimited power. There's a number of things inside the bill that are really quite concerning. But one of them is a five-year penalty to anyone who publishes information that the government deems um, false or misleading or basically whatever the government doesn't like. So, you know, the temptation will be there for this authoritarian-minded government to be locking up their critics. It's, it's about as bad as, no, it is. It is as bad as any situation in an EU member state has ever been. There has, you know, we can no longer call the European Union a block of democracies. We can say it's 25 and a half democracies and, uh, and Poland and then Hungary, which is now an authoritarian regime. So when you say that there's a five-year penalty, um, so I assume that's also, years, yeah. so that's also, uh, um, is, is must send um, um, fears down the spines of journalists in that country. Uh, anyone criticizing, investigating the government could be seen as spreading um, misinformation. And, and uh, I mean, this is extremely dangerous. It is, but you have to understand that they've gutted the free media there uh, already. So the, the, the vast majority of the mass media in Hungary are controlled by uh, either the government or uh, government-friendly or party-friendly uh, people. So you know the, the, the main way most people get their news and information um, has already you know, been taken over by, by this kind of one-party rule. Um, those who are still trying to operate independent, um, independent information outlets or, or opposition uh, or you know, critical outlets, yeah, um, they're certainly worried. Uh, it's, it's an incredibly, you know, it's a, it's a threat. 
basically it's a threat that you know nobody really knows how far they'll go and right now because they have unlimited power they can go as far as they want andrew there's also an element of the bill that says that if a person individual breaks um the government quarantine for the coronavirus they could also i think face an even harsher punishment than five years is that true yeah i i don't know what the exact penalty for for that is i mean that that's uh, that's another part thing that we're concerned about i mean uh in a way that particular part is not unique to hungary although the penalties uh, the extreme penalties uh, uh might be yeah andrew i know i mean human rights watch has been um, you know doing a lot of advocacy over this you've been doing media interviews engage on social media mm-hmm. who really though has the power to do something here is it really up on the European Union is that is that where human rights activists should be putting most of their pressure in your view or human rights watches you what, what do you think is a step forward I mean the only hope to have any pressure would be the European Union unfortunately they you know just completely flubbed it yesterday uh, in their response to the to this new bill to basically the installment of a dictatorship inside the European Union the European Commission had a statement of you know general principles about democracy but they didn't even mention the word hungry which is just baffling at best it was extreme political cowardice and you know it you, you have to wonder if it's if it's not malice uh instead because you know the the EPP the European People's Party is uh, you know the group the big Euro, the group of european parties there are various groups of european parties uh and the EPP is the strongest one and they have basically been you know supporting and promoting Viktor Orban and and the Fidesz party for years and they've never expelled them they suspended the party with you know some nonsense which didn't mean anything at all because the party was still taking part in in the party group activities um so you know we we hope that european leaders will take it seriously we've heard some good voices you know some some right things being said from the european parliament and their individual meps members of the european parliament but it's kind of worrying to see that you know from the from the commission that really should be able to say something we're getting nothing i you touch upon something andrew that i'd like to ask you a bit more detail you 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 talked about this party that has lost support as being backing Orban and and we do see a sense from Canada from North America that there is a rise of right-wing populist parties there's a rise of the liberal democracies really governments willing to turn their back on on human rights and i'm wondering Hungary is you know it's 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 the bullseye that's a target that we could we can see right now but what other countries in Europe are are moving towards this same path Well there's a number of parties um you know political parties in individual European states that use Viktor Orban and and Fidesz the this Hungarian ruling party as a kind of model. Uh I mean chief among them uh, would be Poland over the last few years where the um law and justice party so called um has been in in power now uh for a number of years and openly states that they you know really see what uh, Orban has done as their model and they've you know done a lot of the same things that Viktor Orban did in his early years which is you know con- trying to crack down on the independent media trying to undermine the independence of the courts and and judges trying to uh uh weaken civil society and they've you know kind of gone on that same path although they don't have the kind of the they haven't been able to make the constitutional changes because they don't have the majority in parliament that uh that Viktor Orban had so they haven't been able to quite go as absolutely 
as absolutist uh, as they as they may have wanted to. Um, and you know, there's still a strong resistance in Poland uh, to them. And but they're kind of trying to be on the same road. We've also seen you know individual parties from you know Estonia to Italy to uh, to, to Spain kind of reach out to uh, Orban or use Orban as the model for you know this new style of authoritarian rule basically you know and this appealed to a number of people for you know for various reasons there are always you know, some people who are kind of uh, drawn to somebody who says oh you know I'm a strong guy and I'm going to solve all your problems of course they never do because you know authoritarians always make things worse they always make countries just disaster zones in the long run and uh, you know whether it's from the left, I mean, these all these folks happen to be from the right, but you know there are also many examples of of dictators from the left doing the exact same thing. Um, and really, uh, you know, anybody who's sensible doesn't want to be Venezuela or Hungary because that's just the road to ruin. I, I agree with you completely. We have to look at all extreme political movements because they all can lead to the same, you know, human rights abuses, economic de- deprivation. Andrew, I might just ask one last question. Um, with the coronavirus sure. impacting Europe, borders more or less closed, international air flights closed, people really feeling vulnerable. What is happening right now with regards to refugees? Has has that effectively just yeah. gone off the public radar? Are there still civil group, civil society groups advocating for it? Or where does Europe stand right now on the refugees, on, on accepting refugees and helping refugees? You know, we were kind of in the midst of, a, of another uh, ramping up of a refugee situation in February and into the very beginnings of March, you know, on the Turkish-Greek border. So that kind of, the attention to that has really gone down since this, since the virus has really been the, the, the one and only story. You're right in, in what you're saying that, you know, refugee communities have been among the most vulnerable. And as, you know, it's not really in a sense just refugees, it's all of the communities that have been most vulnerable in the past are even more vulnerable now. I mean, if you take you know refugees, you take minority communities, ethnic minority communities, you take um, you know women facing domestic violence. Now you know we're seeing an increase in domestic violence cases because women are trapped in their homes with abusive men for the most part, um, and you know we we see uh, older people being more vulnerable because uh, of their economic position or, or the homeless being more vulnerable. And refugees, you know, like they are being in Greece crammed into tiny camps where with you know massive numbers of people in in, in the Moria camp there were 22,000 or 21,000 people made for less than three because the virus cuts through that community they were already you know on the edge and to have this virus come through will really just drive uh, too many of them over it. Well, Andrew, I want to thank you for taking time you schedule to talk to us about the rise of authoritarianism in uh, in Hungary and what happened this week, and also giving us a wider view of political extremism uh, in Europe and and also the, the the plight of the vulnerable and the refugees. And we we thank you for the important work that you're doing. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for allowing me the chance to, to chat.